0: Wow, the field of souls, great, great. That means that uh, we can work the field of souls in uh, Sunday school, personal witnessing, your home, your office, your factory, wherever you are, God has a field of souls for you to work in. My granddad used to have a South 40. How many remember uh, somewhere the South 40 or the North 40? That was a field. You had to go down and work separate from the others. God's got a field for everybody here, doesn't he? Let's take your Bibles and turn to the most erotic, sensual book in all of the Bible, The Song of Solomon. Boy, if this wasn't a mixed crowd, I could really scare some of you. It would be frightening that you would come to the Lord's house on on Sunday morning, and I'll do my best to make it... uh, you know, this is the book that uh, uh, in Jesus' day, the Hebrew children, Hebrew boys couldn't read this till they were 12 years old and had bar mitzvah. But if you go back uh, beyond that, this book was not available to them until they were 30 years old. They were not permitted to read the book of the Song of Solomon because it was so romantic and erotic and so down to earth. And one of the things you've got to remember about this book is that God affirms that He made man male and female, and praise God He did. Amen? I'm still working with this choir. They're, they're really slow. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe they're not as full of praise for that as I am, but I, I like it that way. Amen? Amen? Male and female. And he affirms in this book our sexuality. And he affirms that passion and lovemaking and courtship and romance, they're not bad. They're good. God made us that way. And so I want us to take this uh, in light of that. I call this the pursuit of romance. And everything about this passage has to do with pursuit. It shows the Shulamite woman being pursued by Solomon. He had uh, vineyards all over the country, and he went to a northern vineyard, and there he met her one time. There are seven songs, seven country songs in the Song of Solomon, and all of them are love songs. And if you could put them to music, they would uh, be real winners. Guy said he he was going to title this, Sex, Lies, and No Videotapes. Uh, this series of messages. But uh, it's really, listen to how it goes. The voice of my beloved, verse 8, behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. See, she's going to show how Solomon, after he got to know her, in this song is pursuing her. And so it's a story of how a man pursues a woman and how Uh, Solomon, being the type of Christ, pursues us when we are lost. It is a beautiful picture of Christ pursuing us, coming after us. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. When you were lost, you didn't have enough sense to look for him. Shirley and I were at uh, the South Carolina beach. And we were down on the beach last fall, I believe it was. And there was one man in a 200-yard stretch lying on a beach chair when suddenly we heard this commotion over the sand dunes. I've never seen this all the years I've been at the beach. And here came this young doe jumping over the sand dunes, running down into the water, ran through the water about 50 yards up the beach, and then turned and ran back out. And then came, uh, we heard another crashing sound, and guess what was following her? What do you think was following her? A young buck, a young stag. He came crashing over, and he followed the exact trail. He didn't even take a shortcut. He went straight down to the water, followed her track, came out of the water, and chased her up over the sand dune. Well, the man who was on that beach chair got scared, and he picked up his chair and started running. I said, don't run. That's natural. That's the way God made them. Amen? I said, haven't you ever had a woman chasing you? <laughs> no, no. Haven't you ever chased a woman? <laughs> so all of this is all about pursuit. And Solomon pursuing the Shulamite woman shows us three things. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of a woman over a man. I mean, it is an awesome power. And uh, I'm going to give you a test next week, so you better get your, get your romance in order in your marriage because I want to know, when's the last time you did something provocative and romantic towards your wife? And I thought a week after Valentine's Day would be a wonderful time to, to ask that question. Amen, ladies? <laughs> how, how long has it been since you did something like romantic, like drying the dishes or unloading the dishwasher? Now, let's look first at love's power to anticipate. Now, now, what is being quoted here is the woman's feelings about this man. Oh, she says, the voice of my beloved. He comes leaping. Look at the action words. Leaping upon the mountain, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall, looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. There's the picture. She is anticipating his coming after her. For some reason, love has a tremendous power to anticipate. And love has a tremendous power to know when a man, you can tell when a man is looking you a certain way, can't you ladies? You can tell, you can just tell. And uh, men are totally oblivious to women. They can come on strong and we're trying to figure out what happened. Because we're so slow. And women are so keen about this. And the Shulamite woman says, oh, he's pursuing me. I hear the voice of my beloved skipping over the hills, leaping upon the mountains like a gazelle or a young stag, standing behind our wall, looking to see if he can see me, gazing through the lattice. I'll never forget one time in high school I had a girl call me. She told me she was after me. And at first, that made me really proud. I thought, "Boy, look at that! I got women chasing me." You know, don't get too hepped up about that, sir. There are about two billion women for every available man in the world, and so it's just the the, the figures, the odds are going to be somebody's going to be looking for you if you're single. Amen, single men. And she called me and said one night and said, "Would you like to come over to my house?" My parents are gone and won't be here till tomorrow night. I'll never forget that. My first inclination was something real warm in here said, wow, let's go. And then something checked me inside and said, you better stay away. You just better not go. I'm so thankful, Brad. God kept me away. Listen. Love has a power, a great power to anticipate. And the Shulamite woman knows that Solomon is pursuing her, going for her. And the Shulamite woman sees him in her mind, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle. This is a a time of courtship. And there's courtship before marriage and after marriage. Let me give you several stages in that courtship. And don't ever think you've gotten to the place in your marriage where you don't need to do this. Sometimes we level off in our marriage and we take each other for granted and you need to put the pizzazz back in your marriage. Amen? So courtship involves anticipation. You know somebody. You know how we were in junior high. Hey, Gene, would you tell Alice to tell Phyllis that I like her? And Phyllis says, hey, Alice, would you tell Jean to tell him that I kind of like him too? And it travels the little route and gets back to you, and you feel like the king of Siam all rolled into one because she kind of likes you a little bit. See, that's the way, at every age of life, we pursue just a little differently. Solomon is going to pursue her. A- a- and the courtship will take these steps. There's anticipation. There's communication. He talks with her. He builds respect in her. He, he refreshes her. Her love gets her out of a-, a deep time of depression and discouragement. It occurs. And then he gives her security. And that, those steps of courtship must be going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. They ought to go on in marriage. Have you taken your wife out for a date lately? Have you ta- uh, if you didn't take her out for Valentine's Day, you could have brought her at least to the Valentine's banquet last night. Right, Tony? I mean, it could have done that. And, and, and uh, do something uh, to, to court her and let her know that you love her and uh, let him know that you love her. Because that's what goes on in our relationship with Christ. I'll come back to that in a moment. Do you realize that uh, if you look at the second passage you'll see love's power to refresh beginning in verse 10 My beloved spoke and said to me Rise up my love my fair one and come away Ha, ha come with me He says I want to take you back to my palace For lo the winter is past the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear, the time of singing is come, the voice of the turtle dove is heard, the fig tree puts forth green figs, and the vines, the grapevines have tender grapes which give a good smell. Rise up, O oh my love, and come away. Now, this is the power of love to end winter and refresh her. She's a, she's a vineyard keeper. You remember in chapter one, she complained about being dark and having to work in the vineyards. And now he says, Come home with me. Come away. From from the vineyard. Come with me to Jerusalem and marry me. It may be that this is the one marriage in Solomon's life that really was for love and the rest were for money and politics. And perhaps that's why he writes this song of songs. But the winter is past. Almost every relationship has winters. What does marriage have in common with Christopher Columbus? When he was 47 years old in 1497, Christopher Columbus sailed for the New World. And when he got close to the equator, he sailed with a full sail. But when he got close to the equator, he entered for a time for 18 days where he couldn't get a stitch of wind. And the ship just laid in what sailors call the doldrums. Can you say that? Doldrums. Doldrums. And he didn't move and they were about to be burned up when suddenly the wind came again. How many of you have had marriages that ever went through a winter? How many never went through a winter? How many never went through the doldrums? Do you mean you never got tired of him? You say, not yet. (laughs) What happens when we go through the doldrums? You know, in a marriage, it is when we begin to take each other for granted. We've been married so long that, that we, we, we are taking each other for granted. We are, we are uh, presuming on each other. But look at what he says. God wants to bring spring in our marriages. He wants to give a, a new sense of pursuit and a new sense of courtship will give a new sense of season. Look, the rain is over. The flowers appear. Singing has come, the voice of the turtle dove. the fig trees are shooting forth, vines have tender grapes and give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. I want to take you out of the winter and give you a brand new beginning. My goodness, that is exactly what Jesus does with us when life is tasteless and it seems like it's lost all appeal and you don't want to go on, the Lord Jesus steps into our lives, pursues us, and he shows us that his power to love us has a tremendous power to refresh us in life and to renew us. That's what God wants in our marriages. That's what God wants in our relationships with him. You don't have to live in the winter in your marriage. You don't have to live in the winter as a Christian. You can live in the spring in the spring so that there's springtime and harvest time. And so you can see all the great nature words. Winter is past, the rain, the flowers appear in the earth, singing, voice of the turtle dove, fig tree, vines with tender grapes, leaving a, an odor that was an aphrodisiac. It was a romantic odor, the smell of those young grapes. And then he says, oh, my dove, I want to be with you. Let me get alone with you. In the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you got alone with your spouse and you followed Christ's example? He just loves to get alone with his people. Remember, the church is his bride, as the Shulamite is Solomon's bride. Christ is our groom, as Solomon is the Shulamite's groom. And there's a beautiful symbol and a beautiful type here. And that is that just as the Lord likes to put us in the cleft and show us his character and his nature, he did it for Moses. He did it for Elijah. He did it for Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. He gets them away and he shows them his glory, which refreshes and renews and communicates. And then thirdly, He says, love protects. Love has the power to protect. Look at verse 15. The brothers are like a chorus in this song, and they sing, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. The Shulamite says, oh, my beloved is mine. Doesn't this sound like the Gospel of John? Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and I know theirs. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. He's not too great to love me even though I'm a common girl because he feeds his flock among the lilies. Now I read one guy who said the word graze is there before lilies is the word for grazing over the lips to find a place to kiss her. And then he went into a real romantic detailed explanation. (laughs) But I think you just have to take the plain sense. My beloved is mine. He feeds his flock among the lilies and he's not ashamed of me. That's what it means. He loves me. That's the great power of Christ typified in Solomon to love us no matter who we are, what we've done. Her brothers say, catch us the foxes. She says, my beloved is mine. And then she says to her beloved, oh, I am so caught up with you. I am so in love with you. But we have to cut this off. I must ask you to leave. Watch verse 17. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. That's morning. Don't stay with me all night. She set boundaries. And be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of Bethar or the mountains of separation. Oh, I love you. I want to hold you in my arms, but you must not stay all night because that would be dangerous. Please, you must leave. Leave until morning when the shadows break and the daylight comes and the, and the day breaks in upon us. And then we can see each other again. <laughs> now, what are some of the foxes that get at the little grapes in our marriages? Can I suggest about six to you? One is the fox of indifference. You just get indifferent to your marriage. You are so busy coaching soccer. You are so busy coaching football. You are so busy with your job, you simply don't have time. Second is preoccupation. You just are preoccupied with your hobby, with golf, or whatever it is. You don't have time to cultivate and court your bride. And some of you women are just as bad with your husbands. Take time to cultivate and to court. Chase him. Flirt with him. Next, passivity is one of the foxes. In Palestine, they had a little species of fox that would sneak into the vineyard and nibble at those little grape blossoms. And when they ate them, no grapes would come there and it ruined the future. And unless you act upon these little foxes, they can ruin your marriage in the future. A fourth one is unresolved conflicts. One of the things I ask every couple when I'm talking to them about marriage is how do you resolve conflict? When's the last fight you had? And how did you resolve it? And how do you each of you want to be handled when there's a conflict? The fifth one is selfishness. You'd be amazed how many marriages are destroyed by selfishness. And the sixth one is lack of communication. We just don't talk we just don't open up our hearts but if solomon is a type of christ and he pursues this loved one as jesus pursues folks to be saved and to come into his bride the church what ways then as we survey this passage is solomon like the lord jesus let me give you just a quick handful first he is seeking he seeks Just as you go seeking in courtship, Jesus seeks. He takes the initiative. Christ loved me before I ever loved him. I don't love him first. He loves me, and then because he loves me, I love him. And somebody has got to take the initiative in every marriage to seek courtship, to pursue romance. Christ is a seeking God. He is a seeking master. And he seeks as Solomon went after his Shulamite girlfriend and wanted to marry her. So Christ is seeking. I think that's, um, that's why you and I have to be so sensitive to witnessing. You don't know who God's working in, who's God, who God is convicting. There's a state of conviction. The Lord is at work bringing somebody to Christ. He's using a witness. He's using circumstances. But he is seeking the lost because people need the Lord. Secondly, he is a finding like Christ, as uh, Solomon was. He finds us. He knows where we are. You don't hide from him. Thirdly, he controls the elements. He's in charge. He controls the elements. And and just as Solomon is promising a spring over the winter, so our Lord in our lives, in our marriages, in our walks and relationships with him, he he controls the, the, the sovereign elements. Here's another thing, a fourth thing that Solomon did that was just like Jesus. He revealed himself to the one he loved. Why do you? Why do some of you build up fences in front of people you love? You say, well, I was hurt one time and I made up my mind. Nobody's ever going to hurt me again. Look, if you don't learn to trust, let your defenses down, and reveal who you are to your lover, how can you ever build a respectful love relationship? See, that's what I read in verse 14. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock and the secret places, come and disclose yourself to me, and I'll disclose myself to you, and we'll tell each other the secrets of our heart. Just as God has revealed himself in Christ, the lover reveals himself to his loved one. Your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. Come and talk. Let's get away from it all and talk. And then notice, like Solomon, Christ defends us when he pursues us. And like Solomon, he keeps boundaries. I love this. And next week, uh, two weeks from today, we'll talk about why you should remain a virgin before you're married and, and the value of virginity. But, but listen to this. She set a boundary, and he observed it. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, get away. I don't trust myself with you. I love you so much. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of separation and get away from me until morning comes." The only way a Christian can exist in a world whose boundaries have all been blurred or removed is by living in such fellowship with Christ that you have the power to set boundaries and adhere to those boundaries and say, this is it, I will go this far and no farther. Has Christ been pursuing you? I've asked Rodney Rivers to come now, and I want him to tell his story as an illustration Of Christ the lover seeking a lost one. Come on, Rodney. Uh, As an illustration of Christ the lover seeking one who is lost in a number of different ways. And just how he responded to that romantic, convicting pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. And how God brought him through it victorious to where he is today. God bless you, Rodney, as you share this with us.
1: stand before you today and uh, to share with you uh, what Dr. Quartz has talked about today, which is uh, how Christ pursues you um, and never gives up. And uh, you could go through trials and tribulations in your life, but uh, God never lets go and, and continues to uh, work to obtain a relationship with you about 20 years ago in 1979. I was an 18-year-old boy and I was uh, very athletic. I played two sports, uh, basketball and football. Uh, I was, lived in Memphis, Tennessee, which is my home. And I was six foot four and about the same size I am today and seemed to have uh, the world by the tail and, and was a good student and had all those great things going for me uh, until on February the 8th, I was playing in a basketball game. Uh, I started that game as I did every game uh, in a certain position. My position is a power forward, which is a very physical position, uh, uh, one that stays underneath uh, the basket a lot. And I got in front of a long pass. I was going down court and the individual hit me in the head with his elbow and he broke a blood vessel in my brain, and uh, I didn't know it at that time, but I would soon be uh, paralyzed to my left side. I played that whole game without any effects. Um, Until about six minutes left in the game, I started feeling some effects. I started feeling pins and needles in my left arm. I started feeling uh, my knee being very weak and wobbly, and so I elected to take myself out of the game and at that point in time, I became paralyzed in my left side. My, my left side of my body didn't work at all. The right side worked fine. Uh, I was conscious. I was rushed to the hospital. And it was there I received the battery of tests that you go through uh, uh, when you're hurt. And I ended up in intensive care and laying flat on my back at that point in time I began to wonder and reflect on my past and I began to think of uh, a friend that I had his name was Keith I grew up with him I played ball with him but uh, he had a relationship with someone that I didn't know he um, began to share with me he said Rod uh, God has a plan for my life God loved me Uh, but he wanted a relationship with me and that um, the only way to that relationship was to first ask him to forgive me of my sin. And I said, well, I, you know, I'm a good guy. And he said, it was, excuse me, it was not about being good, but it was about being born unto sin and about uh, needing uh, to have that sin forgiven so I could have a relationship uh, that is abundant and everlasting. Keith shared with me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and that uh, he was the one way to God. And Keith also shared with me that all I had to do was act on that by faith and by love. That um, if I asked God and Christ to forgive me of my sin and ask him to come into my life, he would. As he promised he would, he has been pursuing me. Uh, up to this point and he promised that he would come into my life and he would be a part of my life forever and ever. And as I was laying on my back not knowing whether I would live or die um, not knowing uh, what the consequences would be if I would ever get out of the hospital or if I would just um, uh, get out but be an invalid I did not know. I knew my career was over at that point in time but uh, that's all that I knew. But reflecting on Keith, uh, Keith's message to me, and God's message to me, that uh, God loves me. I asked Christ to come into my heart, to be a part of my life, to forgive me of my sin, to give me an everlasting joy. Uh, not only uh, a place in heaven, but just an everlasting joy uh, that I cannot, it's unspeakable. And God did fulfill that promise. I got out of the hospital. I have recovered. I've got about 80% of my movement back. Um, And um, I have worked uh, hard in the gym to gain back the uh, number of pounds I lost. I lost 55 pounds uh, during that ordeal and I had to gain back that as well as uh, um, most of my movement god has blessed me tremendously he uh as dr Cortes has mentioned he uh, pursued me he did not let go i wondered uh today that given an opportunity like this uh, to ask a few questions and i just asked "Did do you think that uh, you have the world licked as i thought that i had um, god has blessed me tremendously from that from this point he's given me a a beautiful christian wife he's helped me to overcome many trials and tribulations and he's not through with me yet Um, are you relying on your own actions to overcome your daily difficulties i can tell you that uh, god is the one true way, and the one true person, uh, Christ the one true person, to help you overcome your difficulties in life. Uh, he promises to meet your needs. And I promise that if you do not know Jesus Christ today, that it will be a start of the greatest adventure of your life. I have a friend that uh, his name is uh, Roy Campbell. He played baseball. We call him Soup and soup uh, has a has a statement that i borrowed from him many times and soup says that god is good all the time and then some Uh, i i thank you for the opportunity to share with you today how god pursues you christ pursues you he loves you he wants to be a part of your life if you don't know him i pray you will know him if you do know him share your testimony with others your story is as great as mine I don't consider my story great. I consider it a blessing to have the opportunity to share it with you, and I hope you will do the same with others. God bless you.
0: So the question is, have you felt, have you seen, have you heard that Jesus loves you and is pursuing you? He he let something like this come into your life to shake you and say, all right, I've been chasing you. I've been pursuing you. I want you to know I love you. Today, I want to give you a chance to surrender to the Christ who loves you and is seeking you as a, as a lover seeks his loved one. And he pursues you with persistence and he has a new spring to give you, a new outlook on life. He has a new beginning for you. He doesn't care what has happened in the past. Because of the cross, he's able to forgive you and wash your sin and make you new and take away all your guilt and give you the promise of heaven and to give you the Holy Spirit so you can understand the Bible and apply it to your life. And that's our call to you today. Let's stand as we pray. Would you bow your head for a moment and let me ask you three questions. Do you see or sense that the Lord has been pursuing you, hounding you? Maybe you're a backslider, and he's been pursuing you and saying, come to me. Or maybe you know God wants to use you in pursuing somebody else. He's laid the name of a person on your heart. He wants you to be a part of that chase, that pursuit, to witness to that person, to love that person. Finally, maybe you are sure that you know Christ and you're his beloved and he is yours, but you've never joined a church, never followed the Lord in baptism. If the answer to any of those questions is in the affirmative, I invite you to come and to accept Christ and to give him your life.